Welcome to the Church of the Living God, Living God Cast. Our prayer is that this message speaks to you, impacts you, and inspires you. Please enjoy today's message, and we invite you to contact us if you need prayer, appreciate this word, or would like more information on Church of the Living God. Be blessed today. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we're kind of doing a rotation thing now for 9 a.m. in an effort to assist Pastor a little better for 11. And so Pastor Mike has been speaking the last few weeks um, on In Him. In Him has been the series. And so I wanted to play off of that uh, with a series called In His Word. In His Word. Okay? Good enough, right? In His Word. As I was uh, preparing actually for my Life Christian University class that I'm going to be teaching for the month of August, it's actually about Bible study methods and and it's one of my absolute favorite classes to teach, but uh, in that process, God really just drew me back to the importance of the Word and what we get out of it, amen? And so, uh, we're going to be kind of all over the place in Scripture. We're going to hit several things today. We're also going to spend some time in Psalm 119 over the next couple weeks, uh, which is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's a very fascinating chapter, but it's all about the Word, 176 verses about the Word. Isn't that awesome? So... Get ready, get your seatbelts on, get your ears open, amen? Amen. If you've got your Bibles, Matthew 12, 34 and 35 says, brood of vipers, that's a good way to start, brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verse 35 says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your presence already in the house. God, we ask that you would give us hearing ears, Lord, that we may receive that good seed of the word into good ground in our hearts. Lord, we ask that you would just wash away any distraction, anything that we've brought in with us from our week. God, we submit it right now to the authority of your word. And God, we ask that your word will become alive in us today, right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you realize it or not, if you've been in church long enough to know, but there's a bit of a crisis in the body of Christ when it comes to the Word of God, in America anyway. There's a bit of a crisis when it comes to the Word of God. And I believe because of the abundance of Scripture, you know, 31,000 verses and, you know, 15,000 or 1,500 chapters or whatever it is, the amount is just inordinate. I, I believe because of the abundance and a lack of good teaching, I believe that there's a lot of misconceptions. A lot of poor doctrine, a lot of bad decisions, bad communication that comes from misunderstanding the Word. But we're in a house that values the Word, amen? And we know the Word. So many of you folks are veterans of this. You've been in church, even, even us fairly young ones, we've been in it a while. We've been in youth group, and, and how many times, Sarah and Stacy, how many times have we heard Pastor Mike say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, <laughs> And, and this verse, yes, this was drilled into us by our youth pastor, by our leadership. And it's because it's true. The Word of God is true. It's real. It's alive. It's for you. It's for your kids. It's for your grandkids. Amen. And it matters to today as much as it mattered way back then. Whether we're talking 3,000 years ago with Moses or 2,000 years ago with Christ, it matters. It all matters. So, in this verse, in this passage in particular, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. They had taken the law of Moses and they had added to it. Uh, they called it the, the Talmud and the Tanakh. They added that 
to the law of Moses, which was the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. So they added to it, and they added their commentary. They added their rules and their perceptions and their understandings, which there's nothing wrong with insight. Okay, insight is okay to an extent, so long as it does not contradict the Word of God. The problem was that their insight had overrun the limits of the Word that God had given them. Insight, I'll say with air quotes. Their insight had overrun the limits of the Word that God had given them. And so the Pharisees were living a standard of the Word that God did not ordain, that God did not speak, but that they themselves had extrapolated through their own agendas and understanding. We do that sometimes, don't we, when it comes to the Word of God? Sometimes we, we, we extrapolate something from the Word that maybe God didn't exactly say. Has anybody ever done that? We say it like this. Have you ever used a Scripture to justify something dumb or wrong that you were doing? Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yes, that's what they were doing. They were taking that Scripture and they were twisting it and using it, sometimes maliciously with intent, sometimes out of ignorance. Sometimes because that's just that's all they could grasp. Regardless, they were in a position where they were exacting these standards of the Word of God upon people that were not standards that God had ordained. Jesus is addressing this. He's actually talking in this chapter, specifically, specifically he's been in a debate with them about deliverance, demon, uh, demonized people being delivered. By the power of God. They went as far as to say that it was by the power of the devil that Jesus was casting out devils. What kind of sense does that make? Doesn't make any sense. Then Jesus says, A house divided against itself can't stand. There's no, that's not even possible. That's the state motto of Kentucky, by the way. Uh, it's not even possible. It's ignorant, he says. A house divided, a kingdom against itself won't, won't endure. And so then he says, you brood of vipers, you brood of vipers. He says, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus reveals a huge principle here. And that is that what is in our heart comes out our mouth. It comes out our mouth. Now, whenever you see that that term heart in Scripture, it's not always talking about the physical beating organ inside your chest. It's talking about, in the Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word lave, and it means the middle. It means the mind, the will, and the emotions, or as we call it, the soul. The soul. It's where you think, it's where you feel, it's where you want. Out of the abundance of that place where you think and feel and want, your mouth speaks. Now, what does this have to do with the Word of God? Well, if this is true about the Word of men... Could it also be true about the Word of God? Could the Word of God be the abundance of God's heart? Could what He says matter so much that He thought on it, that He felt it, that He wanted to say it? So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the good treasure, it says, In verse 35, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. If men operate that way, and Jesus, being God's Word made flesh, reveals that truth, perhaps us being the image bearers of God, perhaps that indicates to us that our God operates the same way. Therefore, what God speaks is out of His good treasure. 
Amen. What he speaks is out of his good treasure. What has come to us in the form of a, a book compiled by 40-plus authors from various socioeconomic positions in life, fishermen and tax collectors to prophets and priests to kings and very wise men to the Lord himself who spoke many of the words that we see in, our, in the Gospels. If he gave us that book, it was from his heart. It was from his heart. Now, people in our culture today, they like to question the validity of the word. They like to say, oh, well, how do you know it's accurate? Well, you can really quickly, this is something pastor says, you can really quickly determine where they're at in that because if you say, do you believe God created the world? They'll say, yeah. Most people will say, yeah. Even people who question the validity of the word. Lots of people will say, yeah, I believe God made the world. Well, if he can make the world, can't he preserve his word? If he can speak something from nothing, can't he preserve his heart? in the, the hearts and minds of people. Now, let's not neglect the fact that we have copies of Scripture from before the Roman Empire for the Old Testament, and they're accurate. Let's not neglect the fact that we have copies of the Gospel of John from within 30 years of the lives of the apostles. First century. We have copies of those. And it translates. The Word of God has been kept. The Word of God has endured. Why? Because it's God's heart. God wants you to know his heart. We see that on display in, in Genesis chapter 1. We see, and I go to creation a lot because it's the starting point. But in Genesis chapter 1, we see what is in God's heart. Because what he speaks appears. In Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2 says, the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. Verse 3 says, God said, let there be light. In these three verses, we see Trinity. We see God the Father in verse 1. We see the Holy Spirit in verse 2. And then we see Jesus the Word in verse 3. God said, let there be light, and there was light. What happened when God spoke? What happened when his heart was verbalized? Light came. Light came. Not darkness. Darkness was already there. Apart from God, there is darkness. Apart from God, there is chaos and destruction. There is no life. It's not inhabitable. It's not that you can live okay without God. It's that you are doomed for destruction without Him. Without His Word, you can't have light. Even man's light is not like His light. Amen. The light of man's knowledge and man's understanding is not His. God's not like a man. God is not a man, Numbers 23, 19 says. He's not like you and I, but just shiny and sparkly. He's not like us. He's on a different level. His word came from his heart, and that word was light. That word was the answer. It was the answer to the dark. It was the answer to the chaos, because you've got to have light before you can have life. This is, uh, this is backed up in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, 1 tells us, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God's Word is indistinguishable from God. Let me say it like this, your words are indistinguishable from you, and God's words are indistinguishable from God. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So God spoke over and over again through Genesis, Genesis 1 in particular, and He said, 
let there be light. He'd see a problem, dark, and he spoke light, the answer. Then he saw water everywhere, so he said, let's separate the water and the land. The answer came from God's heart. God's Word brings the answers that we need to live. The Word is the answers that we need to live successfully. See, Adam could not have lived on day one, could he? There was no land. There was nowhere for him to live. He, he might could have lived on day two when he separated everything. But then there was no food. It was just, it, it was just there. It was just ground and water and air. That's all it was. And as he added things, and all these things that he added into creation, by day six when he made mankind, his word had created a place where mankind could thrive. God's word did that. God didn't roll up his sleeves and get down and start moving mountains into place and start picking up stuff and dropping it where it needs to go. No, he spoke his word. His word was so powerful that it directed the Holy Spirit who was on the face of it all. Right? The Holy Spirit was there on the face of the deep. And the Holy Spirit responded to the word of God. That's how it still works. I know we go to Pentecostal church, but the Word of God supersedes the Spirit of God. It directs the Spirit of God. You can do something in the Spirit and it not be the Spirit of God. It might be a Spirit. doesn't mean it's the Spirit of God. Just because you feel a chill bump doesn't mean it's God. Even the devil can appear as an angel of light, the Bible says. So just because it looks shiny doesn't mean it's good. The Word of God is what frames up the moving of God. The Holy Spirit moves through that framework. It was the Holy Spirit that responded to the Word, let there be light, and light came. It was the Holy Spirit that responded to let's separate the land and the water, and it happened. The Holy Spirit moved it and did it because the Word of God directed it. So it's an overflow of God's heart. It is what directs the moving of the Spirit. It is the the manifestation of what God thinks upon and feels and wants. That's the Word of God. Now, if you, were, if you recall when you were younger, how that you, at times in life, I'm sure everyone in here has believed that your parents enjoyed lording over you as parents. Did anyone ever have that mentality on occasion? Your parent or guardian, whoever was over you, that they might lord over you. They might like telling you what to do. That they might enjoy the power or whatever ridiculous perception you had. But then as you grow up and you have kids, you begin to understand that, you know what? Number one, there's no power. There's no fun in all this. (laughs) Not all the time, right? But number two, they said that because they really believed that that was the right thing to say and do. Even if they were wrong, they believed that that was the right thing to say or do. Their heart, for the most part, Their heart was in the right place. They meant it for your good. So many folks read the Word of God and they say, oh, this is nothing but rules and restrictions and and confines that we have to operate in. But if you understand it from, from the heart of a father to his children, the overflow of a heart, there's times your kids do things and you see it and you're like, or you see it and you think, why did you do that? And they have no idea. No idea what they just said, what they just did, what it meant. They heard some idiot on YouTube or TV say it. 
And so then they said it because they thought it was okay to say. And then you got to say, hey, we don't say that stuff. We don't do why? Your heart is for them. Your heart is, is upon their good. Your heart wants everyone else to know how great they are. God operates the same way. When he speaks a word, whether it's here or out of his spirit through a prophet or a man or woman of God, when he speaks a word, it's not so that he can kick you in the tail and make you do something. You might need kicked in the tail. But he speaks that word because his heart is for you. His heart is to make a place where you can live and thrive. Where you can live what he wants you to live. Where you can be successful. God didn't throw Adam in the garden and say, good luck, I'll see you when you get to heaven. No, he made a place for him. He gave him a purpose. He gave him a family. He gave him a dominion, an authority, a realm. God did all that from his word. He spoke it. He said, let's make man like us. He spoke it because it was his desire to have somebody like him who loved him. The word of God, in his word, that's what I'm talking about. In his word. The word of God is indistinguishable from God. You cannot separate it. John 10.30, Jesus himself said, I and my Father are one. I and my Father are one. There's no, there's no end to one and beginning of the other. You meet Jesus, you meet the Father. He even said to Philip, he said, hey, have I not been long enough with you that you understand? This is about John 14. Have, have you not understood that when you see me, you've seen him? When you see me, you've seen him. That's what he wants for us. That when people see us, they see him. Because his word is so part of us. His word, the overflow of his heart, has now gotten into my heart and your heart. And now it's starting to come out of us. And there's life and light. And things that need to be separated get separated. Things that need to live, live. Things that need to die, die as well. John 1, 2 says, he was in the beginning with God. Verse 3 says, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. God's word still contains life and light for men and women. It still contains life and light for men and women. It's for the worst of the worst, the best of the best in our, in, in our summation. It's for men and women, life and light is in the Word of God. In His Word, God still wants to create in you. He wants to bring life in you. And He really wants to deal with your darkness. But you know what's going to deal with your darkness more than anything? The Word. The Word. The Holy Spirit might motivate you, might inspire you, might give you a good feeling. We like that. But the Word of God is what's going to change you. The Word of God is what's going to confront your darkness on the face. The Holy Spirit began on the face of the darkness. The Word of God came, and that's where He moved. Right? God wants to deal with your darkness because we've all got darkness. Amen? The Bible encourages us to have no part dark. But if we have to be encouraged to, to deal with darkness, that means we've got some in us, don't we? 
People like to read the Word, and they think, oh, light and dark can't coexist. But we live in a world where light and dark coexist. And I don't just mean day and night. I mean right here, right now in this room, light and dark coexist. Look under your chair. There's darkness under there. There's dark. Light and dark is occupying the same space right now. And we read that word and we think, oh, we're Christians. We can't have darkness in us. What? Yeah. In fact, you're the primary candidate that he's talking about. You're the first person he wants to deal with when it comes to darkness. Because it's in you too. You're probably more holy than you were when you started. And that's great. But are you what his word wants you to be? Are you what his word has said that you would be? Amen. God wants to create in you, and he wants to deal with your darkness. The word of God. It is the abundance of God's heart. It is the overflow of him. He wants in his deepest part to make you alive and light and make your kids alive and light and their kids alive and light. Everywhere that you go, not just on Sunday and Wednesday, but at work, Monday through Friday, or whatever shift you work. He wants you to be light and life. His word was light and life to men. That's what it still is. Colossians 1, 15 to 17. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. We're talking about Jesus, the word made flesh. Right? That's what it said in John 1, 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's John 1.14. So the word from John 1.1 became flesh in John 1.14. Now in Colossians 1.15, we get a, a better understanding of that word. That word, the man, Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions, principalities or powers. All things were created through him. And for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So if we were to change him with word, it would say the word is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by the word all things were created that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created through the word and for the word. You with me? It's quiet for some reason. You with me? Verse 17, and the word is before all things, and in the word all things consist. All things consist. The word made everything that we see and don't see. The word established all the powers that be, authority, principalities, dominions, all that stuff. The word created everything through itself. It was all created through the Word, and it was created for the Word. There's not a thing in this life that the Word of God can't handle. Not a thing. There's not a thing in this life that the Word of God can't handle. Nothing that can happen in your family, no stupid mistake you can make, no willful sin that you can do that's bigger than the Word of God. All things were made through it and for it. The Word Yes, we're talking about Jesus, the Word made flesh. We're talking about the Word of God expressed, His heart verbalized in my life and in your life. Verbalized, the will of God, the wants of God, the the thoughts of God verbalized 
in the Word, it all consists together. If I line up everything to the Word, I'm going to be consistent. That's a novel idea. Consistent Christians. Consistent people. Not people who flip-flop and turn around every which way. Not people who are for this one minute and against it the next, like so much of our culture is. Our culture is unstable right now because they don't have the Word. They don't have the Word. The Word of God, in, in the Word, all things consist. It was made through the Word and for the Word. The Word is before all things. If you put the Word of God before everything else, you will be amazed at the difference in your experience in life. What if we filtered our politics through our word, through the word, the word, not our word, the word? What if we filtered this pandemic through the word? What's the word say? I know what everybody else says. I can't get away from what everybody else says. It's all over Facebook. It's all over everything. I know what they say. What's God say? What's God say about it? What are we going to do? What are we going to do if we can't trust in something higher? We're going to trust in what we see and hear now? We're going to trust in the word of experts? Let me say, there are legitimate experts. Amen? There are, thank God for legitimate experts. Man. And then there's self-appointed experts. Crusaders, social justice warriors, people who've decided that they know everything. Amen? Then there are people who, trained, who are trained to know everything. Two totally different animals. What are we going to rely on? The Word of God that's higher? The Word of God that made everything, that, that everything is for? That in, in which everything consists? Or are we going to trust our Facebook friend who's done a lot of reading? I know that's silly, but that's kind of where we're at right now. That's where we're at. The Word of God. In, in the Word, all things consist. The Word of God is the overflow of God's heart. Let's go to Psalm 33.11. It says, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. Yeah, you could really just stop there, couldn't you? The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. Standeth there, the E-T-H suffix means perpetuity. It stands and it stands and it stands. The thoughts of his heart to all generations Whoa, what are we talking about there? The Word, the counsel of the Lord. Now, we, so many folks take the Word of God as advice or as um, kind of a, a case-by-case, case, you know. It may not apply here, but it applies here. It doesn't apply to me, but it applies to my neighbor or whatever, however you want to interpret that. <laughs> The counsel of the Lord, I, I think we look at words like counsel through our modern vernacular. We look at it through our understanding of the term counsel. And we, we see counsel in our modern culture as advice. But that's not what that word counsel means. Counsel in the Hebrew in which this was written, it means plan. It means a plan. The plan of the Lord standeth forever. It stands forever. It doesn't falter. It doesn't say that it stands for a while. It stands forever. 
The counsel of the Lord. The plan of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. This is a, this is a compound verse here. There's a comma in the middle, but these two are related. The plan of God is revealed by the thoughts of his heart for all generations. So the plan of God can be discovered in his word. In his word. Well, what do I do in this situation? You need to go to the plan. What do I pray? You need to go to the plan. What's the plan say you ought to pray? What's the plan say you need to do? Well, I don't know what to pray. What's the plan say about that when you don't know what to pray? Well, the plan says, the Word says, that when I don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit in me prays for me. Amen? That it speaks mysteries. Mysteries to me, but not to God. Amen? That's what the plan says. The plan of God stands forever. The thoughts of His heart to all generations. It's generational. The thoughts of His heart are for you, your kids, and their kids, and their kids, and their kids. It's a plan. He's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for them. And it's all going to work together. Lots of us don't consult the plan. We just kind of charge ahead. I got this. Not a big deal. Not going to worry God with it. Not that you can worry God with it, but that's kind of how we think. We don't, we don't always verbalize that, but we do that with our actions, don't we? we? When we don't take it to God, we're saying to God, it's okay, I can handle it. Got this. Have you ever walked in on your, your small child trying to do something big? I, I've walked in before and seen my little one trying to pick up a big thing of water or milk. And you know what's coming when that happens, don't you? You know what's about to happen, and you're hoping that a finger or a toe isn't involved. You're hoping it's just a mess, but sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it hurts you when you try to carry something that's bigger than you. Lots of times it makes a mess, but sometimes you get hurt and you make a mess. We got, we got to consult the plan, don't we? We do so many things. So many things, and, and I say we because I, I know looking back, I've done so many things that if I just consulted the plan, I wouldn't have put myself through the stress, through the mental anguish. I would not have wasted my time and the time of others if I'd just gone back to the plan. The counsel of the Lord, the plan of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. His word, in his word, is your plan. In His Word is the direction for you. In His Word is the direction for your family. It's in His Word. It's nowhere else. It's not in your education. It's not in your career. It's in His Word. Amen. And if you're lucky, He's going to help you fit your education and your career into that plan. But you've got to consult the plan. And God forbid if our plan doesn't match His plan, which one's going to give? Which one's going to give? That's, that's a lot easier said than done. We've, we've had to answer that a few times, haven't we? Last passage, Psalm 16, 7 through 11. It says, I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. Whoa, the Lord gives me the plan. Through what? His word. All right. The word gives 
for the Lord gives me the plan through his word. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. Now, this seems like a kind of off-the-wall statement here. Reins is spelled like, you know, reins for a horse. In the Hebrew, it actually means inward parts, specifically the kidneys. I don't know why, but that's what it means. I looked it up. But what it means is that the deepest parts of me also can guide me when I'm in the plan. In other words, God can build the plan into me when I consult the plan. He can build it in. It's like when you pull up a a user manual. You know, used to, back in the day, you had to keep all those. You bought a TV, you bought furniture, you had to keep all that junk. You had a drawer where all that stuff was, or a box. Well, now they have PDFs, and I can just Google it. And so, yeah, and sometimes the PDFs are quite massive. But, but I can access, I can pull right up on my phone everything that I need to, to check out what's going on with my TV, my cabinet, whatever. I don't know, whatever you need a user manual for. I'm a man. I don't need instructions. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was just going for the laugh on that, purely going for the laugh. Okay. But God can build into us direction, a sense of direction. Have you ever been in a scenario where you knew, I don't need to go that way? Maybe not, maybe physically, but maybe like a choice. You know, I just, I don't feel right about doing that. I don't feel right about making that decision. You don't necessarily know why. Afterward, you find out why. Because the plan's in you. And that decision would not have gone with the plan, the counsel of the Lord. He wants to give you the plan. He wants to put that in you. And he wants to to build it into you so deep that even when it's dark, even when you can't see him, and really where you can't see where to go, somehow you know. You know. Now, that might not be your experience on day two of being a Christian. But by year 20, we ought to be having that experience. Right? By year 50, we ought to be living that every day. Amen? My rains also instruct me in the night seasons. Verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. When the plan is in me, he's where he needs to be, or where he needs to be to the right. He is where he needs to be, and I'm where I need to be. When the plan's in me, nothing can change that. It's not that things don't try to change that. It's not that life doesn't try to throw it at you and make you go off course. It's that it throws it, but it doesn't move you. Amen? Like the parable in Luke 6, it tries to rip a hole in you, but it doesn't work. You don't fall. You don't fall apart. Verse 9, therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. I can have hope in the plan. I can have hope in the word because it's the overflow of God's heart. The enemy is going to try to rob you of your hope. But make no mistake, when he tries to take your hope, he's trying to confuse the plan. He's trying to confuse the plan that God has revealed for you. 
verse 10, there, for, for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Now, isn't it interesting that he, he doesn't say, you will not take my soul. You will not lead me through it. He doesn't say that. Because sometimes we do go through hell. It feels like. Not literal hell, but it feels like it sometimes, doesn't it? Chaos, destruction, darkness, death. We go through that sometimes. But he says, you won't leave me there. You're not going to leave me there. I might go there, but you're not going to leave me there. Why? Because there is not part of the plan. There is not where my plan is taking me. You're going to lead me out. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Verse 11, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Talking about in his word, in his word, the overflow of God's heart. If there's nothing else that you walk out with today, walk out with the understanding that the word of God, Jesus made flesh, and the word that he revealed through his men and women. That word is the overflow of his heart. He thought on it. He felt it. He wanted it. So he shared it. And when he shares it, light comes. Creation comes. Life comes. That light is the life of men. And in his word, there's a plan. There's a plan for you and your kids and their kids and their kids. There's a plan for you. Your life can consist through that word. If you let it, that word can be the filter for everything. If you let it, you can make every decision based on the word, the plan that God gives. And you can go back to it. And God can build it into you so deep that even when you're blind, you don't know where to go. He can guide you through it. Amen. Has anybody had that experience? Amen. He has. He has done that. He has done that. And when he, his word is revealed to us, his plan is revealed to us, he is always before us. He is at our right hand and we shall not be moved. Amen. Stand with me this morning. You receive that word? Amen. Thank God. Thank God. I ask that because I can talk at you and make you laugh on occasion for about 40 minutes, but if you don't agree with it and take it in, it was for nothing. We both wasted our time, didn't we? Amen. No, let's receive that word. Let's pray this morning. If you would, lift a hand. Thank you for listening today to Church of the Living God, Living Godcast. We trust and pray that you were blessed by today's word. If you'd like to contact us for prayer or for more information about Church of the Living God, please visit our Facebook page at WinCityCOLG or give us a call at 859-745-1865.